uh, what a special passage to hear read just a moment ago of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, one of the stories uh, from Matthew chapter 28. You know, we find ourselves in an interesting place here this morning. And I'm not just talking about the physical place where you're sitting, whether it's your couch or your recliner or your back patio, whatever it is, wherever you're watching, that's not the place I'm talking about. Although, did you ever imagine that you would be uh, celebrating Easter Sunday worshiping in your house uh, with a cup of coffee in your hand? Um, I know I never thought my first Sunday here at Trinity, my first Easter Sunday here at Trinity Church would be uh, preaching to a camera and a room full of empty chairs. Uh, but actually, actually, Kevin Watterson reminded me, he said, Marcus, you're not preaching to a room full of empty chairs. You're literally preaching to the choir <laughs> because we have the worship team in here with us uh, this morning. And so thank you, choir. Thank you, worship team, for being here. Uh, but we do find ourselves in an interesting place. But really what I'm talking about is an interesting place in time. Because here we have Easter Sunday falling smack in the middle of this coronavirus crisis, uh, COVID-19. Uh, and I think it's easy for us to be a little overwhelmed, uh, maybe even um, maybe even surrounded by sickness and, and, and dismayed and despairing of the of the disease that's going on around us. And I think even some of us feel like we're besieged in our own houses uh, as we're quarantined. They're besieged by fear. Uh, maybe that's fear of what might happen to us or even fear of death and sickness. You know, this topic of death makes us really uneasy. Uh, it's something we don't like to talk about. And, uh, um, and we actually see that in our scripture text this morning. These women who come to the grave uh, of Jesus are distraught. They're upset. They don't really, uh, they're not enjoying what they're doing. And I think as they think about what's happened, they've lost their friend, their master. In fact, with their eyes, they saw him take his last breath. And here they are coming to his grave where everything seems so final. I think you agree with me, they needed to hear the hope and the message of Easter on that Sunday morning. And I would say to you that regardless of where you are or where you're coming from right now, we all need to hear the message of Easter, the hope that is brought to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I think the the things we're experiencing right now, the uncertainty of the future, the fear that we have of what might happen to us financially or uh, with sickness. Um, All these things uh, really help us focus in and I think hear the Easter message, the message of hope in a whole new way this morning. And so that's exactly what we want to do because you see, you need to hear this message this morning. And I'll even say that to myself, I need to hear this message this morning. The truth of what it means that Jesus Christ was dead, buried, and that he rose again from the grave. We all need this message of hope. So here's what I want us to do this morning. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to Matthew 28. That's what we're going to be. That's what Annalie just read for us uh, a little bit ago. And we're going to be, if, if you were listening, you probably noticed everyone in that passage is moving. Everyone's going somewhere. Uh, the angel comes down from heaven and rolls the stone away. The women come to the garden. Uh, then they run away to tell his disciples and the, the guards are falling down. Everyone is moving. And so what I want us to do is we kind of look at this passage this morning is I want us to move through this passage. Really, even I would say, follow in the footsteps uh, that these women had and, and kind of follow along in the steps that they took. And so uh, if you have the bulletin that we had online, you'll see we really want to take three steps this morning. 
three steps as we look at this passage and kind of following in the footsteps of these women who came to the grave and encountered the risen Jesus. And the first step is to come and see. Come and see. And that's in verses 1 through 6. You know, these are actually the words that the angel spoke to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Uh, and as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And so that's what we want to do. That's the first step we want to take this morning is come and see what it is that has happened. So this first step, come and see. You know, uh, verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. They went to see the tomb. Now, I suspect that there are many of you who are listening to me that even fairly recently have probably gone to a cemetery, to a graveyard, to visit the grave of, of probably someone who you love, that you've lost. And uh, I'm just curious, what feelings do you feel when you go into a cemetery? Um, and I, I can't put words in your mouth, but I can certainly speak for myself. Usually if I go to visit the grave of a loved one, I feel a, a sense of sadness, sometimes deep sadness and loss because of the person who I've lost. Um, and I think that's certainly true for these ladies when they come. Uh, they just cannot believe what happened. This person who they thought was the Messiah, the one who was going to save them, is now dead, cold in the grave. And they've come to the grave before the sun has even come up. So, uh, but as we find out in verse 2, thank God, this is not just another visit to the cemetery. Okay, look at what happens in verse 2. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. So I think it's safe to say that what they saw when they got there is not what they expected to see. Um, can you imagine if you showed up in a cemetery and they're sitting on the gravestone as this person who is blindingly white? I mean, Look at that description there. He was white like light. He was as bright as lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And we're not talking about just snow on the ground. We're talking the sun reflecting on the snow, just blinding you. That's how bright this person was. I suspect that got the attention of these ladies. And, and so they come here and, and uh, what would you feel in that moment? Well, I think the guards give us a hint at what they were feeling. Look at what the guards do. Uh, it says, verse 4, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You might say, well, who are these guards? Why are there guards at a tomb? Well, let's rewind a little bit back to chapter 27. Remember on the day that Jesus was uh, crucified on Good Friday, um, they put his body in the tomb. And the religious leaders who had orchestrated this whole uh, plot against him and had him killed wanted to make sure that people knew that he was dead for sure. And so back in chapter 27, verse 62, it says, Next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was alive, after three days I will rise again. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, Go and make it as secure as you can. You have a guard of soldiers. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. You know, this is a really interesting thing to think about. They have 
a guard outside the tomb to keep a dead man from getting out. And yet, in verse 4 of chapter 28, who's acting like dead people? It says that these guards became like dead people. That's a polite way of saying they were shaking, they probably fainted, um, and, and really were scared. Um, now, that's one thing for a soldier, a highly trained soldier who's trained to face combat, conflict, to be scared in that way. What, what do you think about these two civilians, these two uh, women who've come there? Well, I think they're experiencing fear as well. Look at what uh, the angel says to them uh, in verse 6. Actually, at the end of verse 5, it says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, there's something really important here. Whenever you're reading through a story in Scripture, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels, wherever, and it's a story where people are talking to each other, you want to pay special attention to the words that are said. And we notice there are really only two people in this story that speak. And the first one is the angel. And the first words out of his mouth are, do not be afraid. So brothers and sisters, we have to realize this angel was a messenger from God. And the first words of his message to these ladies was, do not be afraid. Fear not. And I would like to say to you this morning, God wants us to hear that same message. Fear not. Do not be afraid. You know, if you think about it, uh, I'd have been afraid if I showed up in a cemetery and suddenly there's this glowing man sitting in front of me. And yet the message from God is, do not fear. You know, before we kind of talk about why he says not to fear, I would just ask you this morning, on this day, what is it that you're afraid of? And I'm sure some of you are saying, I'm not afraid of anything. Okay, fine. That's good. I'm glad you said that. But stop and think again. What is it that you're afraid of? I think deep down all of us have things that we're apprehensive of or that we worry about. Sometimes we call our uh, fears anxiety uh, or, or things like that. And so what is it that you're afraid of? You know, looking at the world around us today, there's plenty of things that we could say we are afraid of. Um, unrest, financial ruin, disease, death, broken relationships, all these things that we could be afraid of. And in the midst of hopeless situations, God sends us a message on Easter Sunday. And he says, be not afraid. Do not be afraid. And you know, there's a lot of other scriptures throughout the Bible that repeat that message over and over again. Old Testament, New Testament. Do not be afraid. But why should these women not be afraid? I think if we read the rest of verses 5 and 6, we'll see that really he kind of gives them three reasons Three reasons why they don't need to be afraid. And so I'm going to read these verses. It says, uh, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Just to clarify, we're talking about the man who was crucified and buried in this grave. He was completely dead. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So I think there are three things that this angel says to these women that says, I want you to come and see these three things. And these incidentally are the same three things that I think we need to see clearly and to realize and believe this morning. And really these three simple phrases, the first one is this, he is not here. He is not here. You know, in fact, if we read Luke's account of this, uh, of this story in the gospel of Luke chapter 24, the angel says, uh, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. 
He is risen, just as He said. Because here's the bottom line. Jesus does not belong in the grave. He's the creator of the universe. He's the author of life. He is the one who provides eternal life. And He has no business staying in the grave. And so the angel says, He is not here. That's the first thing that that we need to come and see this morning. The first thing that the, the women needed to see is that He is gone. But guess what? The second thing is, He is risen. Another simple phrase. He is not here. He is risen. Now why is that important? First of all, as the, as the chief priests were worried, uh, if the body's gone, people could say, oh, well, somebody came and took the body, hauled it off. No, the angel makes it very clear that nobody hauled his body away. Nobody stole it. It wasn't that maybe even he swooned or fainted and actually survived the crucifixion and then came back to consciousness three days later. The angel says, he is risen. Really, a literal translation of those words is he has been risen. He has been raised. Um, in case you haven't noticed, let me, let me just remind us of one thing here. This is not what we do with dead people, okay? We lay dead people down. In fact, we have a phrase that we say when we bury our loved ones, we say we lay them to rest. And this angel says the exact opposite thing has happened to Jesus. He has been raised from the dead. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. Now, if you believe these three words, if you believe that's true, then everything changes for you. And when God says to you, you don't need to fear, you can trust and believe it because you know that He has risen. He has conquered the greatest enemy. The last enemy to be defeated is death, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. Because you see, Jesus didn't belong in a grave. And so God raised him from that grave. Through the almighty power of God, he came back to life. And neither do we belong in a grave. We don't belong in the death and stink of sin, nor do we belong in physical death. And that's why God says, if you believe this, if you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you one day will also experience resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. This is where the Apostle Paul is talking about Jesus' resurrection. He says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, Jesus was the first one to experience this resurrection power after the death of Christ. And so he experiences this. He's the firstfruits. And guess what? 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say that all those who believe in him, who belong to him, will one day also experience this resurrection. Though you die, yet shall you live, Jesus says. And so Jesus tells us, and this is, this is what John 3.16 is talking about as well. How do we experience this resurrection from the dead? Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. See, that's the way that we receive eternal life is by trusting, believing in Jesus. Trusting that He alone can rescue you from your sins. We talked about this on Monday, Thursday. We are all sinful people, deserving of death. Romans 6.23 says the penalty for sin is death. So we're stuck. We can't get out of it. 
that Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, came and took our place, died on the cross, dying the death that we deserve to die, and then, praise God, on Easter Sunday, was raised from the dead and is now seated, was raised into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God where he reigns and, and waits to return to earth. Church, this is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to rescue us, not just to pay for our sins, not just to pay the penalty for us, but to provide for us eternal life forever and ever, a future with God. And that is something to rejoice about. And that's why the angel says to these women, fear not, you don't need to be afraid because you need to come and see he is not here. He is risen. But then the third thing that the angel emphasizes to say, here's why you don't need to be afraid, is the angel says, he has risen just as he said. Just as he said. See, this is important because Jesus predicted that this would happen. Jesus predicted that he was going to die and suffer and be buried, but then on the third day, he would rise again. In fact, he did this three times in the book of Matthew. I'm going to flip back to Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 17. If you have your Bible, flip back there with me. And so this is the third time that Jesus predicts his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It says, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. I see these ladies needed to be reminded that Jesus knew this was going to happen. This has been a part of God's plan since the world began. This day, this crucifixion, this betrayal, trial, all these terrible things did not catch Jesus by surprise. He predicted them, and he willingly accomplished them on our behalf. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. You see, God wanted these women to come and see the empty tomb. Come and see that he was not there. Come and see that he was gone and that he was risen. And come and see, realize that this was part of God's plan for the perfect redemption of people so that they could have peace with him for eternal life. God wanted these women to come and see in our story today. But guess what? We are characters in this story as well. And God wants us to come and see as well. To see the same thing. That He is not here. He is risen, just as He said. So this morning, I want to ask you this. Do you believe this? Is this something you actually believe? Do you believe that Jesus was dead and buried and that He rose again to bring us eternal life? If you do believe this, then good news. He's your Savior. You will experience eternal life with Him forever. Good news indeed. But if this has always seemed a little far-fetched to you, or maybe you didn't understand it, maybe you're still not sure if you believe it, I would just encourage you, there's no better day than today, April 12, 2020, to place your faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him alone. That's what believing means is that I trust Him alone. I don't trust myself. I don't trust anyone around me. There's nothing else that I can do to receive forgiveness of sins other than to trust that Christ has already accomplished this for me. So do you believe this? Don't let another day go by. 
and talk to somebody, somebody you know at Trinity Church, talk to me. Let us know that you've decided for the first time to trust the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He offers this to anyone who will believe in him. What a wonderful gift. So first of all, God says, I want you to come and see. But the second step we want to take is to go and tell. And this is what we see in verses 7 through 10. Uh, You see, uh, in verse 7, the angel says, come and see these things. Verse 6, the angel says, come and see the place where he lay. And then verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. For behold, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. It seems like they're seeing all over. God wants everyone to see that Christ has been raised from the dead. And so these, I think it's something we need to make, take note of. It's significant. Is that the first people that God commissions, that the angel here on behalf of God commissions to go and share this good news, the first people commissioned are women, are these women. And that's significant. How do we know that's significant? Number one, because all four Gospels mention this fact. All four of the gospel writers mentioned that it was women who arrive at the tomb early. And the second thing is, in the ancient world, uh, the testimony or the word of women was not trusted. In fact, they were not used as witnesses in court. Their testimony was not admissible in this, in this culture. And yet, Scripture doesn't try to avoid that. Scripture, in fact, embraces that and says that these are the ones who I want to go out and begin to proclaim this message, this good news. So what does that tell us? I think that tells us this is a message for anyone. God says it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a man or a woman, or if you're uh, rich or poor, sick or well, what ethnicity you are, what nationality you are. God says this is a message that if you've experienced it, if you believe it, go and tell others the good news. How could you possibly keep this to yourself? That's the challenge for this this morning. Go and tell others. You know, we had this thing in kindergarten called show and tell. Well, here in Matthew 28, Jesus is telling us to go and tell. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Did you notice that? It says they departed with fear, so they're still afraid, but now they've also added great joy. So the joy is beginning to overtake their fear. Brothers and sisters, that is what resurrection hope does for us. Joy overtakes our fear. The hope of eternal life and the promise that Jesus makes us through his resurrection gives us joy in the place of fear. And what is joy? Joy is that that wonderful perspective that we can have that Jesus has everything under control doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy, but it means that we can accept whatever comes our way with confidence and with joy. Fear is shrinking and joy is growing. And then look what happens in verse 9. This might be my favorite part of the passage. It says, verse 9, And behold, Jesus met them. And he said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Did you notice that Jesus repeats two of the phrases that the angel said? And the first one is, again, he says, Fear not. Do not be afraid. It's as if God really wants us to get this message. 
Um, you know, when somebody tells you to fear not, you have to kind of consider the source, right? And I was, I was thinking about this growing up. Uh, I, I grew up in Kansas in the middle of nowhere, and, and it was what we called Tornado Alley. But the reality is there was no alley. Like a tornado could have gone anywhere and nobody would have seen it because there were no people, no trees, no houses. Every now and then it would hit a city. So we were kind of afraid of tornadoes because so many of them did come through. And, uh, and if I'd been sitting, say, like with my little brother, I still remember we'd hunker down in the basement um, and we'd hear the storms outside. And, uh, and if my little brother had said to me, Marcus, don't be afraid, I probably wouldn't have put much stock into that. Uh, for example, if my little brother Luke had said, hey, come over here. I've got a little tent I made with blankets. Don't be afraid. I probably would have said, that's not going to do me any good. I wouldn't have believed him. But we had a neighbor down the road who built his own house, and he built a room in his basement made out of solid concrete. And the walls were concrete. The ceiling was concrete. Um, and it was a complete safe room for tornadoes. Couldn't be uh, destroyed by a tornado. And so if I would have been with him in his house, and, and it's owned by a guy named Chris now, and if Chris said to me, Marcus, don't be afraid, we're in a shelter made out of concrete, I wouldn't be afraid. Because <laughs> you have to consider the source. Can I trust the person who's telling me not to be afraid? And that's exactly what we have to do when Jesus says, don't be afraid. Who is this person telling us not to be afraid? It's the one who was beaten, betrayed, denied, whipped, hung on a cross, and died for me because he loved me. And then, through the almighty power of God, was raised from the dead. What kind of power is that? Resurrection power. If he tells me I don't need to be afraid, I don't need to be afraid. And so, what a great message from him. We can believe when Jesus says that. And then the second thing he repeats is, again, go and tell. The same thing he says, go and tell my disciples. And so the point here is this. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, if you have uh, believed that Jesus is your Savior, don't keep this good news to yourself. Go and tell the people around you. Go and tell them that you have eternal life and that you want to share it with them. Tell the good news. He is risen. He has risen indeed. So those are the first two steps. Jesus wants us to come and see the place where he was. Come and see that he is not here. He has risen just as he said. And then second, he wants us to go and tell others this amazing news of eternal life. And the third thing that I think we can just draw from all this is that God wants us to take the step of drawing near to Jesus. Draw near to Jesus. Um, verse 9, you see these women, it says, and when they met, when Jesus met them and said greetings, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. They drew near to him in worship. And Jesus also says, I want to spend time with my disciples. Go tell them to meet me in Galilee. I want to spend time with them. I want them to draw near to me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying to you this morning? The risen Jesus says, I want you to draw near to me. I want to be near you and close to you. And how do we do that? How do we do that? If that's the desire of our risen Lord, how do we do that? Well, we see the women doing that through worship. That's why it's so important for us to continue to gather in worship, even though it's by live stream, to continue to worship our God and Savior. So they draw near to him by worship. I think we also draw near to him by spending time with him. That's what he's going to Galilee to do, is to spend time with his disciples. So spend time with him. Spend time with him and talk with him. 
in prayer. Listen to Him talk to you through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus wants you to draw near to Him. He invites you to draw near to Him. And again, like I said before, if you're not sure that you've ever drawn near to Jesus or that you've ever trusted Him, there's no better day than today to do that. Maybe it's clear to you for the first time, you could call this Easter 2020 vision, that you see clearly that Christ has been raised from the dead and that He did this in order to be to give you eternal life. You know, um, I think this is exactly what God wants us to do on Easter, is this idea of come and see that Jesus has been risen. Go and tell other people the good news. And through all that, be drawing near to Jesus yourself because it's possible. He makes it possible for us to have a relationship with Him through faith. You know, some people have remarked that this Easter is not a whole lot different than the first Easter. Um, the very first Easter was not in a crowded room full of people singing and praising. Um, the very first Easter, the disciples were locked away in the upper room. They were afraid. It was dangerous for them to come out of the room. They were surrounded by sadness, dismayed by death, besieged by fear of what might happen to them. But then... They receive the good news of the hope of the resurrection. And that changes everything. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And when they drew near to Jesus, when they came out of that room and drew near to see the risen Lord, they realized, as we do this morning, that we have absolutely nothing to fear. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to worship you this morning as our risen Savior. God, I thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for what you accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. God, I pray that this would be a reality for every single person who's watching this morning, for every single person who's connected to Trinity Church. And God, I pray you would use us to go out and tell others the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.